0: Welcome to the Fishing Oregon Coast Podcast. Meet the fishing pros, hear stories, get advice, and hear the latest fishing reports from the Oregon Coast. Now, here's your host, Gary Palmer. Howdy, howdy, this is Gary Palmer with Fishing Oregon Coast Podcast. I'm excited today to have our special guest, who's an expert in AIS automated identification systems, for boats, and those people that fish offshore probably know about that. Either they have one or they're sure interested in learning more about it and potentially getting one for their boats. And so today we have Doug Miller, and he's the president of MilTech Marine. And Doug, uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Would you just take a few moments, tell our audience uh, a little about yourself and then uh, MilTech Marine.
1: Okay. Thanks, Gary. Well, I've sailing pretty much as, as long as I've been walking or using boats, have always been fascinated by the combination of boats and and technology. And about 10 years ago, I was uh, out on my sailboat with my son, and we were uh, out on the Strait of Juan de Fuca, and it was foggy, and had a close call with a, a tug that was coming. I saw it on radar, slowed down, and it passed right in front of me and was about to go forward and realized, oh, it's a tug it's probably pulling something. So we, we pulled back and uh, sure enough, a great big barge went by. And that whole experience you know, scared me enough that I thought, you know, there's gotta be a better technology solution for avoiding collisions uh, uh, yes. beyond radar. Yeah, so I looked into it and uh, there was a new technology that was just emerging for recreational boaters called AIS or Automatic Identification System. And this system had been uh, used in commercial boating uh, for for a while. It's a it's a mandated standard. It's used worldwide and basically every commercial large commercial vessel in the world is required to have what's called an AIS Transponder and yes. this thing Sends out information about the boat it, it, uh the size of the boat the speed uh, obviously its location name of the boat call sign that sort of thing and then people who have receivers can pick up that information and see that information overlaid on their chart plotter or computer or whatever. At the time, there weren't a lot of solutions for recreational boaters and fishermen and others who were, you know, really trying to avoid these great big uh, vessels, especially in in situations such as fog or at night. So, okay. uh, you know, one thing led to another. I found a a product that looked quite interesting, was a, a good price point, and and we started off with that product, selling these these little receivers. And sort of one thing led to another after that and we've gradually expanded our product line to include a a wide range of different AIS solutions but have really stayed focused on AIS because uh, you know, we really believe it's a, a critical technology that everybody should be aware of and, and hopefully use.
0: Well, that's great. So for recreational boaters like Julie and I, we, have, uh, we live here in Winchester Bay and fish offshore a lot. You know, we've been feeling like, okay, we need to get an AIS, AIS system. We, we have radar. And we're pretty accustomed to using it. But when we're offshore, we worry about, especially in the fog, a larger ship plowing into us, all these different systems. How how does someone whittle all that information down and kind of figure out, okay, this is what what we really need?
1: Sure. Okay. Well, there's really sort of two types of AIS device. There's what's called a a receiver or receive-only device. And what that does is it sees all the other vessels around that have AIS transponders, converts that information into something that can be used by your chart plotter or your computer or tablet or whatever, yes. and overlays those targets on top of a, you know, a digital chart. So that's often what a lot of recreational boaters will go with, a receive only unit. Then you can have a send and receive unit. And what that does is everything that the, the receiver does but it also sends out your information to any other vessels that are in the area so that they can see you on their chart plotters. And, and so it's a, it's a two way thing that not only are you seeing everyone else, they're seeing you as well, assuming they have AIS installed on their boat.
0: Okay, okay. I was thinking it'd probably be best to have a, a receiver and transponder, but what about cost? I mean, how? I don't sure. Know what,
1: so one thing uh, when they develop the standard is they uh, they recognize that there are really kind of two classes of of users. You've got obviously the big commercial traffic, the the oil tankers and the container ships and the the big passenger vessels like the the ferries. Yes, and and they have one class of transponder called Class A. Those ones transmit with uh, more power and send out more information, and they transmit more often. But they're also more expensive. They're sort of in the, you know, twenty five hundred dollar to ten thousand dollar range, and obviously beyond okay. what a, a lot of that's, recreational that's motors would our budget. Yeah, <laughs> for
0: that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So. Um, There was a second class that was created called Class B, Mm -hmm. and this one is really more directed at recreational boaters um, and small commercial operators, uh, fishermen and that sort of thing. And it's um, a smaller unit. It transmits with less power, less often, a little less information information. Um, and is designed to not sort of clutter up the the big system too much, but is also designed to be affordable. And so those start in sort of the five hundred dollar range, and uh, that gives a recreational boater the ability to be seen by other people, including uh, the big vessels that are out there as well.
0: So, if we're out, a tuna fishing, and we're out beyond the. Range of our VHF radio. Is the range, though, would it still work for ships around us, even though we can't talk back to the shore or someone back at? Right.
1: It, exactly. It, it uses uh, VHF uh, radio technology. It actually <clears throat> um, uses channel 87B and 88B. Okay. And uh, so it's just like VHF radio in its line of sight. So typically, you know, 30 okay. miles, you know, somewhere in that range is the range. So it means that even though you can't talk to somebody on shore with your VHF radio, if there's a vessel that's within, say, 20, 30 miles of you, they'll show up on whatever device you're using to look at your AIS targets.
0: So then do we need to (coughs) then turn our radio to 87B or 88B? Or does it automatically do that?
1: It's totally automatic. So if you have an AIS receiver or a transponder, which is a receiver and send Sending yeah. in it, yeah. um, it automatically is tuned to that uh, to those frequencies, and it'll pick up the information and then send that as digital information to your chart plotter. And so, it you know, as the name implies, it's fully automatic, and you'll just see the targets appear on your chart plotter and move along in real time. And and if you're on a collision course, most of the chart plotters and even some radios will sound an alarm and let you know. You know, you're you're going to collide with this vessel in um, you know say four minutes and sixty in sixteen seconds, yeah. <laughs> and uh, or or you're going to pass within say a quarter mile of this vessel in in twenty seven minutes from now or something like that.
0: Okay, okay. So this is this would let us know any large commercial vehicle because they oh. all are required to have it. Some commercial fishermen that are less than sixty five feet don't have to have it.
1: Right, right. And um, that that's something that you always need to keep in mind. And that's why it's it's a good idea to have both radar yeah. and AIS. Yeah. Um, and if you have one of the newer systems, um, AIS can be overlaid on your radar system so that not only do you see a little blip on your screen, if it's an AIS vessel, it'll show up with the name of the vessel as well. But you know, radar gives you the benefit of seeing any vessel that's out there. It just doesn't necessarily identify it, right. and so that's always something that, to keep in mind, especially in foggy conditions and yes. fast fishing boats moving around and, yes. and that sort of thing.
0: Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> so, um, so back back to the price. So I was looking at. The uh, slide presentation that you did at the Boat Show, and there you had some examples of different systems. But you have a Class B AS transponder, kind of a kit uh, that you could put together. Looks like pretty much what you would need for under five hundred dollars. So, is that typical? Is that the kind of components you would need?
1: Yeah, and most of the um, most of the uh, the transponders today have multiple interface options for connecting to to other devices. So, you know, a typical transponder will have a a NEMA 0183 Mm. interface option, and what that means is you take the two NEMA output wires from the transponder, connect it to two NEMA input wires on the chart plotter, and uh, assuming your chart plotter supports AIS, which Mm. most do if they've been manufactured in the last, you know, eight or 10 years, um, and then you'll just automatically have targets show up on your chart plotter. So that, that's one way to interfere, uh, interface the two. Newer chart plotters usually include NEMA 2000, and so a lot of these transponders also have a NEMA 2000 port, and that makes it super easy. You oh. just plug the, plug the device into your NEMA 2000 network, and boom, you've got AIS data on the network. Oh, wow. And then the third option is connecting to a, a PC or a, a tablet And there are a couple of different ways to do that. Um, You can connect using USB, so just a USB cable if you're running something like, you know, Coastal Explorer on your PC, um, that'll overlay AIS on those charts. Or um, some of the more modern uh, AIS systems have Wi-Fi as well. And that means that you can connect wirelessly to the transponder and get that information on not just PCs, but also iPads and, and other types of tablets and that sort of thing.
0: A lot of choices.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually when I'm talking to somebody, I start with, yeah. you know, what equipment do you have on your boat now? Yes. And, and yeah. what are you thinking of buying in the future? And what yeah. do you, where do you want to see the AIS data? And, yeah. uh, and that'll lead you to, to usually a, a good selection for, for what you're looking for.
0: Okay. Then back to this, to the uh, your presentation. So the next one down are the receivers, and those it looks like you can, you know, it's possible to get something that are two hundred dollars with mm-hmm. the components you have there. So that's probably, I think, where probably most recreational people start with the receiver, right? Is, is that right. typically what you see, or? Do,
1: uh, yeah, that, that that's often the case. And you know, one thing that's worth mentioning on the receiver front is, you know, we now have receivers that are built into VHF radios, Um, so Standard, Horizon, ICOM, Lorentz all have uh, models of their radios that have AIS built in, which is a really cool feature because, you know, if you're on a small fishing boat, you don't necessarily have room for lots and lots of extra equipment, but you're always going to have a VHF radio. If you've got AIS built into your VHF radio, you have this very nice little screen on the radio that'll show you the targets in the area. You can still set up alarms so that if somebody's on collision course, you know, your radio will start beeping at you. But, uh, and you just have the single standard VHF antenna, so super simple to set up and use oh. and um, gives you all the benefits of a, uh, an AIS receiver and... These also have NEMA output, so you can connect it to your chart plotter if you have one as well.
0: So if it was on the the radio itself, what's the advantage of also having it on your chart plotter? Just that you would see the both and where you're at, I guess, in a bigger screen?
1: Right. It's uh, exactly. It's it's more about having a bigger screen with a little more information. The the radio screens obviously are pretty small, and what you end up with are, are sort of these range rings that look similar to radar almost. And you, you'll see an icon for a target, but you don't necessarily know an awful lot about you know what that icon is. You can select it and get more information, but if it's on a a chart plotter, then you can see it in relation to, say, the shoreline, and see, oh yeah, okay, that's a that's a fishing vessel going into the harbor there, and it's g- it's probably going to make a right turn shortly, so you know I can, I know approximately where that is. You know, a lot of people will have both, so that they can get kind of the initial awareness through the radio, and then go and look at the chart plotter if they want more information.
0: If you have a Lowrance, do you need? Is it best to get a Lowrance radio? If you have a Lance okay. chart plotter. Or Garmin or
1: whatever. Um, well okay. actually because of um, you know the standards with uh, NEMA 0183 which pretty much almost every device supports um, or NEMA 2000 yeah. uh, you can pretty much plug-and-play between different manufacturers uh, products so for instance on my boat I you know I have a standard horizon radio mm-hmm. um, and I have a Garmin chart plotter and I can easily just take the two NEMA output wires from the radio connect it to two NEMA input ports, NEMA 0183 uh, ports on the Garmin, and now I have an AIS display on my on my Garmin unit. Well
0: that's nice that there are those standards, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And that's the nice thing about AIS is is it is an international standard the way the information is, is sent down the wire to devices is completely standardized. So it really doesn't matter which manufacturer you buy uh, on either the AIS um, you know, device side or the, you know, the viewing device that you're using, whether it's a radio or a chart plotter or, or a computer, um, they, they all know how to consume and use the, the AIS data since it's the same data regardless of the device.
0: Now when you when you get a, um, a unit, then you need to submit uh, an application for a mmSI number.
1: I yeah, so if, if you have a receive only unit, there's nothing else you need or um, you know as far as licenses or anything yeah. else um, because it's only receiving information you're not
0: transmitting. right, oh, right. right. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's often a key point for people. They say, you know, I I just want to see the others. I don't want to go through the hassle, you know, anything. But if you decide to go with a transponder, uh, you need what's called an MMSI number. It's like a, it's a nine uh, digit number. It's almost like a phone number in a way. Uh And it, uniquely identifies you and your boat so if uh, uh, either one of those change if you buy a new boat you get a new MMSI if uh, the owner of the boat changes then they get a new MMSI but what that does is that that's a single unique number that identifies your vessel and it's used for um, basically indexing your vessel against all the others that are around Okay. And also is used for search and rescue purposes so that, you know, if you have uh, an issue and somebody can see you on AIS and know you're in, in distress, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Coast Guard or local authorities can, can quickly identify who you are. And, you know, for that, there, there's actually kind of two ways to get an MMSI number. Um, you can get a free one from places like Boat US. Um and, and that works fine for uh, if you're only operating in U.S. waters. Mm-hmm. If you're going to travel internationally, say you're going up to Canada or Mexico or wherever, then you really should get an FCC ship station license, which will include an MMSI number as well. And that gets programmed into the transponder. And that will uniquely identify you worldwide and any rescue organization in the world will be able to instantly access your information such as emergency contacts and things like that. So generally it's, it's a really good idea to have the FCC license if you're going uh, outside US waters. And one other thing I should just add with this MMSI number is it's also used in your radio. Um, radios include a function called DSC or digital Correct. selective calling. Yes. And it's that same MMSI number that gets programmed into the radio And if you have an emergency situation, you can just push that big red button on your radio. Mm -hmm. It'll send your location uh, to every vessel in the area, along with your MMSI number, which will uniquely identify you for uh, anybody who's coming to rescue you.
0: Okay, so for that to work, does someone need to to have an MSI number? Or does it still send a signal and say, this boat at this location just sent the, the signal?
1: Um, yeah, for, for DSC emergency calling, uh, if you don't have an MMSI number and you hit the big red button, it'll still send out an alarm. They just won't know who it is. So okay. it's really, really important, especially since yeah. you can get a free MMSI yes. number to get that programmed in your radio. And then that'll really help people uh, figure out who
0: you are if you're oh, in good. distress. Yeah, good point. Thank you. So the AIS information, is it marinetraffic.com? Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, on your on your presentation, which I'll put this, if it's okay with you, on the show notes so someone can reference this. Uh, sure. Yeah, they're good slides. So so themarinetraffic.com, who maintains that? Where, who keeps the data? Is that Noah or...
1: Um, Actually, marine traffic is a a fascinating sort of crowdsourced project that started several years ago, Um, started with a bunch of students in a university in Greece, if you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, they put together some servers and started convincing people to basically act as collectors for ais information so setting up ais receivers in different locations pulling that information in and then uploading it over the internet to their their servers in greece and so over the years uh, more and more people have participated in this network as collectors Uh, for instance our our shop here in port orchard we have a a receiver connected to an antenna on top of our roof that then feeds the marine traffic system. And so it's this fascinating, huge, huge collection of receivers all around the world who are constantly picking up vessel information, uploading it. And then individuals can then go to the marine traffic website and go and view all of this information. So vessels overlaid on, on a, on a map. Um, or get one of their apps. They have uh, apps for for mobile devices. And so you could use it on your phone or your tablet and see all this information as well. So really, really fun site to sort of get acquainted with AIS and see it actually in action.
0: Yeah, I, I, I looked at it. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? What you can see it's like, wow, look at all these boats out just beyond our, our port out there and uh, beyond view of the shore, but they're not that far out. And it's like, wow. And you can actually as clicky, you can click on it and actually do like a waypoint and then measure how far out they're they are also.
1: Exactly. Yeah. To, yeah. So that that's kind of a good indication of what AIS will look like, say, on your chart plotter. Okay. Uh, the one thing we always like to, to let people know with marine traffic is that it, it is is not a formally organized network. It's It's amateurs and volunteers who are providing the data feeds wow. so you shouldn't really think of it as mission critical there and sometimes <laughs> yeah. depending on the mm-hmm. load on those those poor little servers they yeah. uh, they can have a slight time delay as well so if you're in a situation where you know you're coming around a corner and there's a ferry there yeah uh it's always good to have a live ais system uh, so that you, you know <laughs> right. you're getting real-time information <laughs> right
0: you know. okay huh well that's interesting i huh So, um, so how how are they making money to support you know what uh, what they're doing?
1: Well, they uh, they've done what a lot of internet companies are doing. They do advertising. Um, They've now uh, they now provide as well a a more professional subscription service. Um, There's also capabilities to to track AIS vessels using satellite. And so a lot of the the businesses out there that have traditionally shown AIS data Mm -hmm. are now offering subscriptions to gain access to satellite data. So what that means is, you know, you can track a vessel all the way across an ocean, Mm -hmm. not just sort of within range of shore where Ah. you would normally have a receiving
0: station. Huh. Interesting. Well, as we come to the end, um, do you have any parting words of advice for our audience? And then and then also what are the best ways for someone to get a hold of you?
1: Well, I think, you know, as far as uh, parting words, it you know, AIS, it, you know, is really a relatively inexpensive technology. Um, you know, if you get it built into your, ra- you know, radio, if you're thinking of buying a new radio or you mm-hmm. just get a receiver, which is a couple hundred bucks, or even a send and receive unit for $500, $700 in that range. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think of the safety benefits of collision avoidance um, and potentially saving your life, it, it's a small price to pay to have a, a huge amount of, of additional security security but again it's not the only thing you should have it's uh you know having radar is good obviously (laughs) looking with your eyes to make sure you're not going to run into anything yes and and you know always having a a good vhf radio and and having that programmed with a an mmsi number Mm um you know are, are huge steps you can take to increase your your safety when you when you're out on the sea Yes. And also give you the ability to be rescued very quickly if you do run into situations. So uh, definitely something I would recommend. Yes. And if people are looking for more information, probably the, the best way is come to our website. It's www.miltechmarine.com. And that's M-I-L-L-T-E-C-H Marine dot com okay. and we've got uh not just products there but i have a blog there's lots of information there and we have uh, you know different tech notes and and information papers uh to help people sort of sort out what what solution makes most sense for them but also how do they set it up and make it work with their existing equipment
0: yeah great yeah you have a really good side i anyway you have a lot of good information thank you for supplying that and i'll put a link to your site in the show notes doug thank you very much appreciate your time and uh we're going to be getting new units we'll be talking to more in the future anyway thanks thank you
1: thank you very much gary it's been a pleasure and uh you know if folks have any questions also they they can feel free to call us uh we have a an office and store in Port orchard if you have a boat in port orchard or that area come on in visit as well Okay,
0: great, thank you. Thanks for listening. For show notes and pictures from this episode, head over to our website, fishingoregoncoast.com, your number one resource for fishing on the Oregon coast. Until next time, we're wishing for you tight lines and calm seas.